When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, December 12th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, tis the season to delay some EV plans, apparently. Toyota, as well as Mercedes and Rivian, put a pause on their programs. And Stellantis is making a solar power push near its North America headquarters. Plus, we'll hear part one of Jamie's conversation with GM CEO Mary Barra. I couldn't be more excited about what uh, we're going to have from an EV perspective. And I think it's finally then people will understand the power of the LTM platform. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Toyota expects to outline adjustments to its electric vehicle strategy to key suppliers early next year. That's according to two people with knowledge of the work who spoke with Reuters. Toyota has been looking at ways to improve the competitiveness of EVs that it hopes to release this decade, in part by speeding up the adoption of performance-boosting technologies. That includes electric drive systems, including motors, as well as electronics that convert power from the grid to energy stored in batteries. But those changes might include delays to some of the EV development programs originally planned for the three-year period, according to one of the people. Mercedes-Benz and Rivian are putting a hold on a planned collaboration to build electric vans in Europe. The automakers signed a memorandum of understanding in September for a joint venture to produce two large full electric vans in a factory in Central or Eastern Europe within the next few years. The vans were to have been built on a joint production line in Poland with one based on Mercedes' upcoming van.ea platform and the other based on the Rivian light van electric platform. But the project has been paused indefinitely. In a news release, Mercedes cited Rivian's, quote, ongoing reprioritization of projects. Rivian said it'll focus on its consumer and existing commercial business as it tries to become cash flow positive in its U.S. operations. The U.S. Energy Department says it has finalized a $2.5 billion low-cost loan to a joint venture of General Motors and LG Energy Solution. The loan will help finance construction of lithium-ion cell manufacturing facilities in Ohio, Tennessee, and Michigan. The companies say the projects will support 6,000 construction jobs and more than 5,000 operations jobs at the three plants. U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm touted the closing of the Ultium loan on a visit to Michigan today. She says the federal help, along with other provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act, will help make sure the new jobs pay well. One of the Inflation Reduction Act pieces was to incentivize the payment of prevailing wage and apprenticeships. There's a 10 percent kicker for companies that do that to help to bring down their their costs and to make the business case work for them as we're competing globally as well. Last week, workers at the $2.3 billion Ultium plant in Ohio voted to join the UAW. It's a big win for the union, which is seeking to organize the growing EV supply chain. GM and LG Energy Solution are considering an Indiana site for a fourth U.S. battery plant. And Stellantis is looking to solar power to help cut its carbon footprint. The automaker says it has made a clean energy commitment to add 400 megawatts of new solar projects in Michigan through DTE Energy's My Green Power Voluntary Renewable Energy Program. DTE is a Detroit-based utility. 
The move by Stellantis is the second largest renewable energy purchase ever made in the U.S. from a utility. The companies say it'll prevent the emission of more than 670,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide each year. And those are today's headlines. So as I said, Jamie, that it seems like we're seeing sort of a pattern today with delays in certain EV plans, uh, the biggest probably being Toyota, but also Mercedes and Rivian putting a pause on their program. Uh, is there anything we can read into this? Is this just a coincidence? Uh, the timing of these two is probably coincidental, but overall it, it does speak to the challenges to manufacture EVs profitably. You know, Toyota... Is, has not been super aggressive. They don't really have an EV that, you know, is cost competitive against a Camry or a Prius or even a Lexus. And, you know, Rivian, there was a lot of excitement. This is kind of a disappointment because they this was seen as a chance for them to really grow faster and gain scale more quickly. But they've just got to get that uh, Illinois plant running right and get the supply chain working so that they can get enough throughput there to start making some money. And making money on EVs is something that you talked about in your conversation with uh, General Motors CEO Mary Barra. We're going to hear the first part of that conversation next on Daily Drive. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. Last week, I had a chance to sit down with General Motors CEO Mary Barra for her yearly fireside chat with the Automotive Press Association. I'm a member of the board. We talked about GM's aggressive EV push, upcoming labor negotiations, and much more. Here's the first part of our conversation. Mary, thank you for joining the APA again for this sure. uh, New Year tradition. It's like part of Christmas now, or the holiday season, <laughs> I should say. Pretty much. So <clears throat> there's been so much change in these uh, years, and the end of the year is a good time to reflect. And of course, you know now we're having COVID is sort of winding down, but still with us. The chip shortage is easing, but still with us. Interest rates rising, inflation, but more important, there's the the bigger trends, like the transition to EVs that's still just taking root. 
from your view next door, the 39th floor, what, what do you see going on in our world? Well, you know, I think we're in, in an industry that is completely transforming, you know, globally. Uh, but, uh, you know, at General Motors, I'm really excited. You know, we uh, laid the foundation for, frankly, not just electric vehicles, but autonomous vehicles and uh, the software-defined vehicle over the last several years. You know, we acquired Cruise in 2016, and now they're the only company that has is giving rides in San Francisco and able to charge, and there is no one behind the wheel. If you haven't yet had a chance to take a ride in a Cruise vehicle, I really encourage you to do that. We're on track of, of deploying the technology in Austin and Phoenix, and I think that's significant because there's been a lot of people who said, okay, well, you got it, you know, it took you you know, five plus years and you're running in San Francisco, but how long is it gonna to take to scale? The fact that we're gonna be able to be up and running in two other cities in a matter of months, I think talks about how the vehicle or how that technology can scale. So I'm really excited about that. Also the Origin, which is the purpose built vehicle, uh, will start being built in Factory Zero next year. So, uh, you know, we'll be ready there. From an EV perspective, again, we laid the foundation a couple years ago with the development of the Ultium platform. We have our plant in Ohio now building cells, uh, you know, well on our way in the construction in the Spring Hill plant and, uh, you know, work being done in Michigan as well and a fourth plant to be uh, announced in the not too distant future. So, you know, again, key, I think, when you think about electric vehicles, um, one, having a platform so you're not having to compromise uh, with the performance of the vehicle because you're retrofitting up uh, an ICE platform, I think is significant. And then when you think about EVs, and we all talk about EV affordability, well, an EV is all about the battery. And, all, and the battery is all about the cell. And so the fact that we're making our own cells, I think, gives us an opportunity, you know, in partnership with LGES, to um, you know, be very efficient as we do that and get the cost down as we ramp up these plants. And I couldn't be more excited about uh, you know, the, the Hummer that's already out on the road, the Lyric that you know, there's uh, several hundred people have them. And it's probably the question, if I, if I had, had to ask, and just in everyday life, what's the question I get asked the most is when am I getting my, um, my Lyric? <laughs> um, which I'm saying soon. Uh, because as the battery plant cranks up, that's gonna allow us to make uh, more, and we expect a fast ramp of Lyrics. But also next year, we have the Chevrolet Silverado EV, we have the Chevrolet Blazer EV, and we have the Chevrolet Equinox EV, along with some other vehicles coming out next year. So I couldn't be more excited about what uh, we're gonna have from an EV perspective. And I think it's finally then people will understand the power of the LTM platform. And then finally, um, you know, the, the vehicle is now a software platform. And so the work that we're doing with Altify and um, this, you know, the whole software-defined vehicle, we're gonna say more about that in early next year when we have another investor day, but that work's going on uh, along as well. And you know, I think we have a, a head start there of understanding what the customer expects with almost 25 years of having OnStar in the vehicle. So we understand what the, the customer feels they're willing to pay extra for versus what they think should be part of the vehicle. And that's gonna um, be a growth opportunity for us as well. I could go on and talk about our GM defense business and uh, Bright Drop, GM Energy, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stop there because I know we, we wanna get to your questions. Well, you have so many of these massive undertakings that, you know, some of which, of course, are years and years in the making. You've been CEO for almost nine years now. How much longer do you think you're going to want to stay in this job? Well, that's really a decision of the board, not me. But I'll, what I will tell you is this is in my, 
you know, a, a few years ago, probably like five or six years ago, I thought it was a really good idea to add my GMI time on because, you know, I started it <laughs> when I was 18 years old. And, I, and at that point, I could say, oh, I've been a GM for 35 years. Now that it's, uh, you know, getting to 42, not a great idea. Um, so, uh, but anyway, you know, 42 years of being associated with this company. Um, and to me, this is the most exciting time. So, you know, if the, the board will have me, I'm, I couldn't be more excited about executing our strategy over the next several years. What can you tell me, though, about your, what you've done to cultivate a new generation of talent and um, especially women leaders within the company? What, what's the progress you've had on that? We actually have made uh, really good progress this year across many uh, dimensions of diversity. Uh, you know, and it, and it, I consider myself at General Motors to be the chief diversity officer. Uh, we set goals because a lot of times what happen, what what gets done is what gets measured. And so we set goals as it relates to hiring, as it relates to progression within the organization, development programs. And I'm really pleased with the progress. Now we're, we have a long way to go, um, you know, and I don't think it's a, it's a journey that's ever done. But I, I'm pleased with, you know, from I'll say what people think of as traditional diversity, the representation at the company continues to improve. And I think that just makes us a stronger company. But, you know, really our focus when we talked about d diversity, equity, and inclusion is creating a workplace where everybody feels that they can be their best self. And I ask the question often, because I do these monthly, sometimes twice a month, uh, we call them super slices. Sometimes they're live, sometimes they're using um, a version of Teams. Uh, and, you know, we'll have two, 50 to 200 people. And I always say, how many times, and you know, I'll ask the question of all of you, how many times in your career have you felt excluded? Hmm. I, you know, there's been times in my career, you know, I've been here 40 years. I'm sure many of you, there's been times at different assignments or uh, that you felt excluded. And that feels really horrible. And so how do we, and so it's, it's, I, I view myself as the chief diversity officer, but it's really the environment we all create together. And so, you know, one of the things we talk about at GM is if we all work to never make someone feel like they're not valued or they're excluded or they don't belong, we're going to be going a long way to having a, a culture where people, everybody feels included. I think when you feel included, you'll, you'll voice great ideas, you'll do your best work. And so I'm, you know, very excited uh, because I really think the, the people of General Motors have really taken this and understand their personal role in creating this environment where everybody feels that they belong and, and General Motors is a workplace of choice. Beyond General Motors, mm -hmm. are you disappointed in the progress or lack of progress that the industry has made in terms of diversity and especially the role of women? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like my focus is on General Motors, uh, so it's hard for me to say, you know, the rest of industry, frankly, I don't know their numbers, I don't know their initiatives. I think it's something that most every company is working on. Mm -hmm. I think it's just something we have to understand. I think when people understand the why, uh, because it really, when you have diverse points of view, you're going to make better decisions. And so I think, it, you know, from a, from a business imperative perspective, I think as people gain that understanding, uh, I think we'll just continue to make progress. So I just... I think we look ahead to make progress as opposed to being disappointed. You know, it's, it's the old adage, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 20 years ago. Well, when's the second best time <laughs> right now? I think we just focus on now and focus on getting better. Okay, so um, while we're talking about human resources mm -hmm. and human capital, uh, I think we're heading into another year of labor negotiations. Promises to be an interesting one. What, what do you think will be the top issues in dealing with UAW next year? 
Well, I think, you know, right now we're in an incredibly interesting time because, you know, uh, we don't know who we're, who, you know, who we have the elections process isn't completed yet. So I think that's going to be important. But I, again, I, when I, I started my career in, at General Motors in a plant. My dad worked uh, in at Pontiac Motor Division for 39 years, and so I have many relatives uh, that are you know, retired or in the auto industry. And you know, what do people want? They they want job security, and and they want to be recognized. You know, one of the interesting things we, when we do our workplace of choice surveys, we do it for the entire organization, and. Our represented employees, just like our, our, our salaried employees, all want to feel like they have career, career opportunity. And I think it's, it's human. We, we want to you know, be valued, but we also want to feel like we have opportunity to do more to grow. And so I think, though, job security and being um, appropriately compensated, I think you know, those are traditionally the issues. But I, I think they'll be, again, it's, it's going to be an interesting backdrop with the inflation that we have. But you, know, you tell me, is, uh, what's the economic situation going to be like next year? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anyone knows. So it's going to be interesting with many different backdrops. But uh, you know, I, I hope that we can have productive conversations and, and get to the right solution and, um, and you know, continue to build great products. I mean, I feel like I can tell you labor is still going to be scarce uh, next year. I mean, maybe we have a deep recession, but, you know, it's two jobs for every job seeker right now. Um, and I suspect, I mean, what we what we hear is that uh, workers are maybe a little frustrated because they're facing all that inflation. And even though they're well compensated, um, it's that was that was set four years ago and the inflation was not expected to be so high then. And so they're feeling probably a little eroded there. But at the same time, there's a, a big push to organize the, the battery plants, the, the Ultium plants. Uh, any thought is, does one play off of the other in any way? Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, we're actually, you know, we're a company that um, has worked with unions around the world for many years. So, you know, we're welcoming of the union at the at the battery plant. You know, what I look at some of the great work we've done with the union is on health and safety. And General Motors has a, you know, a leading uh, record on health and safety uh, quality. And I'm very proud of the General Motors team on, from a J.D. Powers perspective when many OEMs went backward because we were building shy and, you know, all the, you know, dealing with COVID and dealing with other part shortages. And uh, our team, our quality improved. So, you know, we can work together, things like health and safety, um, quality, training. Um, so I think there's a lot that we can do together. And uh, I think it's, it can strengthen the organization. I always say my teeth are straight because my um, dad was worked for General Motors. So. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the other thing that's going to be complicated next year, or whether it's good or bad, is there's also negotiations with Unifor at the same time, which we haven't had uh, those both going on at the same time for quite a while. Are there are there advantages to that, or is it is it a real strain on your team to manage both sets of talks at the same time? No, I, you know, I think we have the two teams, you know, we'll, we'll uh, appropriately um, have the, the two teams organized to do that. I've had an opportunity to meet Lana. And uh, again, you know, we're going to work on finding, finding solutions and problem solving. And I hope we can do that very efficiently. I can tell you General Motors will come to the table prepared to have good conversations, problem solve with whatever the issues are and get to the other side. I spoke with GM CEO Mary Barra in Detroit at an event sponsored by the Automotive Press Association. Come back tomorrow for the second and final part of our conversation when we talk about securing GM's EV battery supply chain, new tax incentives under the Inflation Reduction Act, and her take on the state of autonomous technology. 
That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to Vince Bond Jr. of Automotive News and Peter Segal of Automotive News Europe for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 